0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the later in the week edition of the podcast. This time around, we're talking a little La Liga, talking a little bit of Spain. A very weird start to the season, which ESPN directors are probably fuming over the fact that they overpaid for license rights to La Liga and the broadcast of those games. But. I was pleasantly surprised this weekend, honestly, with like the production of it, with like the whole media presence, everyone getting really involved. The commentators were wonderful. It's good, good, uh, good time to be a a fan of Spanish football. I say that of course, with like several tears behind the camera, which none of you can see. There's a
1: couple caveats there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Extreme asterisks, but you can't actually see them. Um, But man, it's, it's been a weird last couple of weeks in Spain, honestly, like, just hearing kind of the narratives coming out of Spain have been like, just games aside for a second. It's been really, really interesting to think about what life after Messi in Spain is going to be like. Cause a lot of people have asked like, who's going to be the face of the league. Who's going to really like take the mantle and be a top team. Like, is there one outstanding team anymore? And Ryan and I talked about this last week, but like there, I don't think there really is any one top team anymore in terms of, in terms of like quality slash chances of winning the title. I think that there are still the three big teams, right, in terms of like, I guess purely monetary, you know, growth. Um, well, some of us are over a billion euros in debt, but others are doing just fine. I, I think there's that delineation still, but I'm very excited for how Open La Liga um, will be this this season.
1: Yeah, and it, it was it was a great weekend for, like. I think we saw this maybe across a few leagues, but the finishing was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The finishing was great. Um, And it does feel like a bit of a breath of fresh air. Like It's not, obviously, it's never a good thing to lose the best player in the world from your league, right? But I think there's an opportunity here for very good young players to... Kind of step up in in terms of like, not even step up, but I, I should say get the same or similar kind of notoriety, right? Like for for their performances and and kind of get a bit more of the spotlight for their performances. Like I think of one of them, Oyarzabal from this past yeah, weekend yeah, in, yeah. In, against Barcelona, where like his free kick was unbelievable, um, <laughs> and and this is a player that I, that. I don't think like the average European soccer fan um, knows a lot about. Right. And he was pretty influential for Spain in the euros and he was great for them in, um, in the Olympics as well. And yeah, he's another year older and and he's someone that will get more of a spotlight this season because a guy like Lionel Messi is gone. And and I think that the young La Liga prospects and stars are, are going to benefit, I think from a, uh, it's pretty, like, from a marketability point of view.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think it's just everything's a little bit more on an equal playing field, you know? And so that's just now what we have to come to expect with La Liga. And I will obviously miss Messi's presence very much, but it's very convenient that our game of the week has to do with Barcelona, who of course beat La Real, <laughs> as you talk about Oriol Thabal's uh, free kick, beat La Real for two in what was honestly a very strong performance from Barcelona. Like, I never thought I would say that, especially first game of the season under <clears throat> very, very tumultuous times. I was pleasantly surprised, like, by what I saw. I don't know. Like, Rian, thoughts on on this Barcelona team right I,
1: now? I, to, look, to use the same word, honestly, like, refreshing, like, breath of fresh yeah, air, yeah, yeah.
0: Like
1: this game was Like, really fun, again, uh, like, not like Lionel Messi made this team, like, unlikable, necessarily, right? Like, not at all. But it was just kind of fun to watch, like, these other guys who so often have been uh, facing a lot of their decisions on the field around where Lionel Messi is and where is he going to be. Um, it was really fun to watch a guy like Frankie de Young, who showed this last season in flashes where w- when he makes his runs into the box, he times them very well. And he can be very, very effective at those runs. And, and also like one of his passes for, I think it was Jordi Alba's offside yeah. goal. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh he missed. Was it, 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 Don't give yeah, him too much credit. No, fair, fair, no you're <laughs> totally right. You're totally right. Um, Like that, like that was a great moment where he got where Dion got forward and played this great just link up pass beautifully into Alba's stride. Um, And on top of all that, too, Memphis Depay is fun, is a fun. Yeah. And, and, And say what you we can make whatever excuse or or come up with it whatever reasons that we think it could have worked with him and Messi, but it just would have been a very similar situation to Griezmann and Messi playing together right? it, it just would have been very similar and, and having all three of those guys on the field together would have been kind of a mess um a little position. a little bit of chaotic yeah chaotic nature yeah but look the pie was awesome and even guys like Martin Braithwaite who who looked who kind of picked up right where he left off with, I think the Danish national team in the mm-hmm. summer, where it was just like, this is it. Like meme him all you want. The guy's a very effective player and, and, and does like, quote unquote, winning things for the most part. Like, he's not going to beat the man off the dribble every time. And Winning things. I love that. Title of the
0: podcast. Better, better,
1: better, winning soccer. He plays winning soccer. I'll even say like it's, Really, really refreshing to watch. I think this team kind of play a bit more free mentally, at least.
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, you you mentioned probably the three players I would mention or I would have mentioned in Frankie de Young, Memphis Depay, um, and Martin Brathwaite. My favorite part of this game was probably watching Memphis Depay get in behind the back line of La Real. And I think what Coleman did really well in setting up this team. And honestly, what probably he'll have to do for the rest of the season is set them up in a 4-3-3 with runners from deep and using Memphis and Griezmann, or sorry, I would say Memphis and Martin Brathwaite basically in kind of a center channel and on the left to drag everyone back. Like basically like make it a very long and deep game. And that allowed Pedri and Frankie DeOng to open up and utilize the space in front of the back line of, of Real Sociedad and every time. And I think the perfect example of that was that through ball that you're talking about from Frankie de Jong, just bursting forward and like quite literally like one, two and possibly threeing it to Jordi Alba. And he was cleaning it on goal. And that happened multiple times with multiple sets of different players. And I think that's what this team has clearly been working on in preseason. We saw that a little bit in their preseason games, but I was very impressed that they came out against such a side, like, Real Dad in the way that they did almost choked it up towards the end thanks to a slight, slight change in defensive line. <laughs> um, <laughs> just never, never a positive thing when, um, when you, whenever your manager changes your back line with the last 10 minutes, the free kick, you can do nothing about that. I mean, I just absolutely brilliance. <laughs> yeah, that was just unhinged. But the one thing that's been missing from this Barcelona side that I was so surprised to see again was the aggressiveness that I had not seen for years. Like this team, even players like Busquets who does not have pace, but the aggressiveness of this team to get back and defend as a unit is not something that they're used to doing basically since before like MSN existed. And, That's going to be really, really key now that Messi's gone. How is this team going to be able to press? How is this team going to be able to defend in a block as they have? Because now you have to use all 10 players to do that. Previously, maybe used eight, possibly nine players to do that. Now you have to use all 10. And I think they understand the value of having kind of a cohesive unit like that to be able to accomplish that goal. It was so so well oiled like that machine was very well oiled and i was very impressed with with honestly the, the team overall so i'm i'm quite a happy supporter
1: yeah no i i think you make great observation on the the way that the team pressed too as a as a whole like that's also something that love him or hate love him or hate him for it <laughs> you know it, it it is something that's gonna your team's gonna get better at with Lionel messi out of it it's just yeah. a fact And we saw it this past weekend against from Opta Barcelona, tied for the most high turnovers, which are just like turnovers in that in the attacking third or the yeah in the in their own attacking third um, against Osasuna. Funny enough, sorry, not Osasuna, um, Sociedad. They were just really, really cohesive as a team, like in in almost all facets of the game and that's again refreshing refreshing to see here um and it just feels like a bit i don't want to actually don't want to even say this too early i was gonna say it looks like you know mentally shackles taken off of it but i, I want to give it actually a few more weeks at least to say
0: that i will say i i do think that this team is still in a in like a shockingly good position though to like to challenge potentially like I'm not speaking into existence I'm saying that like just based on what I've seen over the last three weeks there's there's a little there's like a glimmer of hope there is a glimmer of hope and shockingly enough I I'm not there yet I'm not here to say like anyone's title favorites after one week but there are several well-versed football pundits that do believe that Barcelona could still challenge for the title, not as a result of this game, just generally speaking. So you may not go that far, but some I, I, some will.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't challenge for the title. No, no. I'm I'm still keeping Atletico as my favorites, and same, I think that same. But I think I mentioned it last week in our in our previews where you know this could easily be a a four team race or something a three or four team race again later into the season so i i see no reason why if and this is a, still a big big if if barcelona are able to be solid at the back
0: then they then they <laughs> should they should make a real challenge for the title absolutely yeah that's kind of still the biggest key the one interesting piece of Barcelona's back line that I'm very interested to see now is does PK move over to kind of a left-sided center back and allow Eric Garcia, who by the way, had a great debut, wonderful debut um, in this game. Does he PK move over now to make room for Eric Garcia who complements possibly Ronald Araujo and Eric Garcia, who really is the starting center back duo. I don't know yet. I, it looks like it looks like it can be PK and Eric Garcia, but Araujo is someone who I think is primed to have a standout season. So I, that's the, really the big one, question mark. And the one thing that is slightly worrying for me still is midfield depth. Frankie de Jong and Petri are almost always a lock, lock and they're amazing football talents, possibly the best two footballing midfield talents in Spain. But beyond that, then what, what comes after that? Like, uh, it's not so clear. So still red flags, um, still something to very much be afraid of or, you know, cognizant of. But a lot to be hopeful of based on this one game for Barcelona. So, Rian, I think it's time we move on before I, you know, can you continue to smile for the first time in weeks as it relates to this team? All right, Allison, I guess
1: that's about as good as time as any for you to ask your question.
0: Let's yeah. Oh my God. I forgot. It was my question first. So let's, let's get into my first question as it relates to Spain. We didn't get into the other teams in La Liga just yet, but of course, Real Madrid beating Alaves by a score of four to one over the weekend. I'm, I'm very curious about your thoughts on this. Do you think that hazard now just given his injury woes and all of his struggles over the last season and a half, do you think he's in a position now to support Benzema and become second or maybe even top scorer for Madrid this season? Like there's, there are reports today that his ankle is completely healed, that he is, you know, much more fit than he has ever been um, for, for Madrid in his time here. So uh, am I crazy to think that? Is that possible? I think you are
1: not crazy for thinking that. Um I I thought even though he still didn't look quite he's, he's still not quite the player that he was when he first came to Madrid. I, he he didn't look like that um this past weekend, but he was still a pretty effective player this this weekend. Like he has obviously that great little f- flick mm-hmm. assist to uh, Benzema. But I thought he looked dangerous, too. Even if he's not quite full speed or full whatever, 100%, 100% I thought he still looked really threatening. Right. And I'm not going to say he's going to be the top scorer. I just don't <laughs> believe that's going to happen. Um, well, for Madrid. A lot of... For Madrid, be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, for yeah. Mad- yeah, no, not even for... Honestly, not even for Madrid, no. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that has to do with I just don't think he shoots enough to, yeah. to be the top scorer. You know what I mean? Like uh, he, he gets into the box and he does look to play like really nice, like a really nice pass or something, or he gets close to the box. And he looks to play a really nice pass unless he's like dribbling across defenders. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's in a position to be a really good support player for Benzema though, like an overpaid robin if if you will (laughs) an overpaid robin to um to benzema's batman oh my god and and i mean obviously i would would love to see it i i myself am biased i would like to see him play very well for, for for real madrid but i to answer your question i think i think he is in a position if healthy another one asterisk Elias, we can always re <laughs> ed- we can edit this one yeah, probably yeah, like yeah, two we- weeks yep. <laughs> if you want. Um, he just needs to stay healthy. That's all it is, and he's a type of player who like needs the touches, right, mm-hmm. to get back to himself, right. And he needs the games, and I know we could say that for a lot of players, but for a guy that relies on having the ball and Trying to play through defenders, like not passing through them, but literally playing through them, dribbling past yeah. them, and all that. He he needs the touches to get that feel back. And um, I think we we saw a glimpse of it this past weekend. Had um, three shot creating actions. He gets an assist, uh, and just looked dangerous at times. Not not all the time, but I think if he stays healthy, we we get we get like eighty percent mm. of the Chelsea hazard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. I think that he is actually in a very very good position to not only become I will say second top scorer in in Madrid. I think Benzema is still otherworldly right now, but he is starting off basically the season fresh, right? He's trying to throw away injuries of past, he's trying to throw away demons of past in the starting lineup in just hilariously enough a uh, front three of Benzema Bale. We'll get to that at some point <laughs> and Hazard. Now he has a chance to fully complete a season. Like obviously we're talking about injuries that might happen in the future, but he is starting off the season in such good fitness form that it's the best chance that he will probably have to go ahead and become second top score for Madrid. And that flick for Benzema on that second goal that alone proved to me that he still obviously like the talent never went away but his confidence to pull off moves like that with his body is really a testament to the fact that he is now kind of 100% healthy so i mean beforehand we would barely see him change directions now we're seeing him do mid-air flicks so i'm i'm very proud of him to to see that honestly cuz i just, i love watching good talent even if it is for real madrid sometimes
1: yeah and Look, if he if he gets back to that eighty percent of Chelsea, Hazard, then this team's like another level, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. yeah. Like, I know that Vinicius actually did look. He actually did look good when he cut when he came on, and and holding out hope that this is finally the year that he puts some of it together. Um, yeah, yeah. It, if Hazard is close to what we've seen in the past, then this team should again should create a big challenge to Atletico Madrid in in the title race And I know that we could say that should happen no matter what right but Mm -hmm. um, but it is just genuinely much harder when the guy who's supposed to be at worst to your second best player on the team is just not available
0: or not the real him so yeah No, super fair. Well, with that, Rian, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about your question next. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Still talking La Liga. Time for Rian's question. We're moving on to question number two. Rian, what is your question?
1: Oh, is this... comes after his two-goal performance coming on as a sub in the uh, second half. Elias, are Sevilla going to be the benefactors of an Eric Lamella renaissance here? <laughs> as he, he came on, scored twice. His, his first goal was, granted, a lot of luck on that deflection, um, but there was some real good build-up Build up play from him with Sevilla, and this is also a chance for him to actually have a lockdown starting spot yeah. in a team for the first time, basically since he went to Tottenham. <laughs> he spent seven years, pretty much, pretty much like fringe starter for mm-hmm. for Tottenham, um, but coming back or coming to Spain. I think there's like a chance for, I don't even want to say feel good story. I, I just want to say like uh, some sort of renaissance where he's playing all the time and he just kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like a Nabo Fakir kind of, kind of, not, that wasn't even a renaissance. That was just a good player yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. going to, to Betis. But I, I I think that he can have such an impact on this team if he gets a run of games if he gets to like the high confidence level that we know that he actually always has mm-hmm. <laughs> as we saw in the in the North London Derby last season he's got the confidence almost at all times <laughs> but um but to actually get a run of games I'm excited to watch him be a week in week out starter on a team that is going to be in the Champions League and a team that should be, you know. At worst, I, I think the fourth best team right now
0: in in Spain. Right at worst, yeah, yeah, yeah. At worst, I mean this this team is seriously just as good as last season. I mean, nothing has changed. They dominated against Rio this weekend. I mean, granted, Rio newly promoted, first time back in Spain in a while. But
1: speaking of that that game, just a, a quick hilarious moment for that game is that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is Zinedine Zidane's son. Yeah, I, yeah. playing goalkeeper for Rio yeah. Bayakano. Yes, yes it is. one of the funniest red cards <laughs> I've seen in a while. Which, um, which
0: it was a red card. Let's, easily. Let's be easily. Fair. Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> there's not, there's no way you can even think about arguing that. Yeah. Um, to paint the picture for our listeners, um, the ball is played into the box to. I cannot remember the Sevilla player who was, but Zidane comes out to try to get the ball. The touch is taken like just inside of him. And and he's like basically fully taken out of the play. And there's an open goal. And I believe his name's Luca. Luca Zidane. Luca Zidane, yep. As the attacker is running past him to go tap the ball in, does one of those cynical fouls that you know you would expect a midfielder or a defender to do outside of their penalty box but no he's done this six yards from his goal (laughs) and and literally pulls the jersey of the attacker back pulls it back and then jumps onto the ball as if nothing happened and um, obviously is immediately called for the foul and is sent off and from that point, it really was one-way traffic for Sevilla, who ended up scoring three, but could have scored like six at yeah. least. Um, they, Yeah, Rayo Vallecano kind of had not even a sniff of a chance after that. But And that was just 15 minutes into the game as well. Yep. Um, but uh, back to your point on, on Lamella himself, though. Yeah, well,
0: <sighs> Lamella, funny enough, played 37 minutes, I believe, during this game uh, for Sevilla in the second half. In 37 games for Spurs, he scored the same amount of goals as he did in 37 minutes for Sevilla, which probably is more so a product of his playing time at Spurs, but he is already thriving. And this is a player, by the way, that I have been touting for the Argentine national team for a very long time. I have thought that he deserved a call up several years ago, but you have to think about your question about, you know, whether this could really solidify Eric Lamella as a starting position um, in Sevilla's starting 11. You have to think about in the context of who else is he up against? First off, I, he was never going to start the season as a starter because this Sevilla side is already very well cemented from last season. Now, I will say it was sort of a surprise for me to see Idrisi start. I mean, he did only play the first half, but you're talking about players like Yusuf N. Nassiri, Oscar Rodriguez. And then you also have to factor in the fact that Luke De Jong, who was kind of doubtful for this game. Anyway, you have to factor in the fact that he is a part of this front, I guess, trio of players. Oh, as well as Papu Gomez. So yeah. True. Eric Lamella's competition is actually extremely stiff when you think about it. And I didn't even mention Munir um, because he has not gotten nearly enough playing time. But Eric Lamella, he, he's up against stiff competition. And when you're Lopetegui and you're looking at the quality of what Eric Lamella does, Eric Lamella does one thing really, really well. And that is cut in from the inside or from the outside. And that's not really how Sevilla play anyway. Sevilla are very much a through-the-channels-and-crossing type of uh, situation, if you will. And I'm not here to say that Eric Lamella cannot benefit the team. Clearly, he very well did. That's, that would be a ridiculously stupid argument. But I do think that Eric Lamella is going to play a role this season as a super sub, basically. I think that he's going to come in and expand and try and push teams deeper back when the game needs it or when they require it in the second half of the, of the game. And, of course, I'm sure there will be times where he starts games in in place of someone else, depending on the opponent. But I still am hesitant about saying that he'll be a starter.
1: That's fair. And I think even in that particular role that that you described there, that's still, a, I feel like, a bigger role than he had at Spurs, especially in the last two seasons. So it'll be nice to see him
0: at least get the chance to impact games a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think that this is already a much better change of pace for him. I was honestly a little surprised when I heard about this transfer in the first place. Like the fact that they were going to give up Eric Lamella is, I guess, shouldn't have been a surprise to me. But for something that I guess cheap <laughs> to kind of surprise me a little bit. Um, but. I think this is just a win-win situation for both clubs and for, and for player, I should say. So I'm very, I'm actually very excited to see him play for Sevilla and and Brian Hill. Brian Hill is one of the top. I've said this multiple times. He's one of the top talents in Spain, incredibly technically gifted, but I don't think he is worth like the value. You're talking about the valuation of two very different players and one, which is basically like purely speculative on future value. So, Fair. I'll I'll say that much. Um, but why don't we move on? Let's move on right to the last question before I lose my mind with Sevilla because I'm actually genuinely scared of that this season. <laughs> um, my last question for both of us Rion is what the hell is Atletico's best starting 11? Like gen- like assuming uh, let's assume that like A doesn't leave and like everything stays the same. What is Atletico's best starting 11? Because I just want our audience to understand the shock that I, I experienced when I saw the starting 11 for their game against Celta Vigo this weekend, which they did, I guess, case in point, gone to win. But Sivioni played a 3-5-2 of Hermoso, Jimenez, and Savage as their backline, which is... Not surprising by any means. But then Thomas Lamar as your out wide left midfielder. Marcus Llorente, which not as surprising as your far wide right midfielder. Coke Saul, and Kongdombia as, I guess, your defensive line midfielder. And then Carrasco and Correa as your forwards. This man had a soupy brain when he woke up that morning to choose a starting 11 of this of this sort well, <laughs> I, I they almost by the way they almost they almost dropped points during this game i mean towards the end iago aspas had a wonderful wonderful chance to tie it unfortunately could not there was actually two chances towards the end to tie it but
1: oh yeah that no that, wow. that, that's the thing like Cel- celta looked very good still <laughs> like I, I this is a total aside um but you brought up Young yeah, Aspas like I was looking at his goal record for Celta Vigo like maybe a couple hours ago. The man has 104 goals in 199 games in La yeah. Liga for Celta yeah. Vigo. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Um I, I feel like I feel like that's like brought up by someone like Sid Lowe almost like once a year something like that <laughs> just his his goal record um with Celta Vigo. But no, going back to, to Atleti, I mean that <laughs> that lineup is uh was just outstanding in terms of a galaxy brain move. Um I texted Ellie Ellie's texting me about it or sent me the lineup and my only response was total football and like <laughs> that's the only that's the only response yeah. I could come up with for it. Like playing Saul at right wing back. Um obviously Diego Simeone must have had long conversations with um, Luis Enrique, uh, who who played Marcos Llorente at right back for, <laughs> for Spain. And he actually looked at that and was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Those first two games when Spain looked really, really pedestrian in
0: their attack Lethargic. And,
1: and, and Llorente was playing right back. Yeah. I want that. <laughs>
0: um, you wanted to go back to old times. I yeah. can't blame him. <laughs>
1: Uh but it's a great question. what their best eleven is obviously the best version of it is the one that includes draw Felix and Rodrigo de and Luis Suarez all on the pitch together and unfortunately, uh, we won't be seeing the three of them together for a little while um as draw Felix recovers from from the ankle injury, but. Like, <laughs> They found a way to once again not lose, Um, (laughs) and and and, I mean I should really say found a way to win. Yeah, um, more than anything, even with Celta Vigo having enough chances to definitely get a draw, it's just it's it's a good win for them on the first day when the team's obviously not going to look at its best. So for for whatever reason it ended up working out for Cholo Simeone and they have to, they move, they move to the next game. As people say, we move. They move. move.
0: Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, this is a game that saw basically three, maybe four starters from last season come off the bench. Luis Suarez, Renan Lodi, Kieran Trippier. Yeah, I'd probably leave it at that quite honestly. Um, Interestingly enough, Rodrigo DePaul did come off the bench and for me basically cemented his starting position, not to say that he had an incredibly worldly game, like his presence just alone to cover that much ground for Atletico was impressive. To say the least, he basically picked up where he he left off um, with Argentina. So I I guess we never really answered, funny enough, we never answered the original question, (laughs) which was, (laughs) which is what actually is Atletico's best starting eleven. Um, I, I would probably argue that Luis Suarez and Kieran Trippier deserved a start in this game. I think that Kieran Trippier, I, was, I think is probably suffering some, from some Euro hangover in Simeone's mind. Um, which I, I mean, granted, like he did play a lot and at the same time didn't have in a wonderfully amazing tournament. So fair, but I do think that there's still wonderful players for Atletico The one question mark, I think, about this team is who do you give up in this starting 11? Like, who do you bench? I would argue that Kondongbia is probably the most obvious in in terms of probably slotting someone like Koke back into that position and letting Lamar and Saul play as your right and and left-sided midfielders, and then moving back towards a more traditional kind of four two three one with lorente i guess as your right winger question mark and then luis suarez um up front with i would probably say angel correa at this point but again where does that leave someone like carrasco like you're yeah it, it's a weird situation for atletico and i don't know if there's a perfect answer quite quite honestly but the only player that I would definitively drop would be Condungbia and bring in Luis Suarez instead, um, definitively.
1: Yeah, and and it would be so tough to drop Carrasco because,
0: you
1: know, he he was one of probably their, I wouldn't say three or four most influential players last season to the title. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked a lot of times about how, he was basically the entire attack from the left (laughs) a lot of times last season so um that just shows the depth that the team has of course too right these are good problems to have Yeah, yeah yeah so um i don't know just it just another thing that kind of underpins why this should be the favorites they should be the favorites to retain the title um i'm not gonna say things have to go Terribly for them not to to still win the title, of course, um, but this is the best squad, I think. Still,
0: one hundred percent. I think that either way you kind of slice it, the one really po- big positive out of this question is that Atletico have the talent to rotate, which is, as we saw last season, one of the most important things in a world where you're playing games every three to four days. Right now, um, off the back of two delayed international tournaments so i'll leave it at that brian why don't we do a quick roundup and talk about who, really who impressed you the most out of the entire i guess league season or sorry league season excuse me weekend
1: i guess you could say league season I mean, yeah, it's yeah, only yeah so far yeah, yeah um i think for me it's it's gonna go back to barcelona i think they were they impressed me the most it's again almost Almost somewhat similarly to um, my answer from Monday's pod for uh, Tottenham, where it's like I, I guess I didn't know quite what I was expecting from this Barcelona team, but I'll say I didn't expect it to look that cohesive in the first game, and, and that and that fun yeah. is is another word that I would use um, in the first game. So like, I I'm very excited to see this team kind of gel as, as a squad and, and not necessarily around one player. Yeah. Um, hope Pedri gets a rest. Hope Pedri gets a good rest um, <laughs> at some point. But he it chose seems this like life. He truly did. He really <laughs> did. He did not run from the grind whatsoever. No. Uh, and I guess he'll get his rest during the international break is, is the reports. I guess we shall see. Um, But overall, I I think really positive performance and good vibes from the first weekend for Barca.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that's a fair shout out in in the most subjective way that I can be. I will say my team that impressed me, the most was not actually Barcelona. It was Celta Vigo against Atletico. I thought Celta Vigo had a wonderful performance. They only had two shots on goal, technically, because they had one massively great block chance towards the end. But they had a higher XG during this game, 1.78, to Atletico's 1.62. And I thought that they were within inches of scoring several times. There is one Iago Aspas breakaway in the first half, those two shots towards the end. And in periods of this game, they really overtook Atletico and show they had character. And this is one team that I fully expect to make a run towards top six towards the end of the season season. Unlike Valencia, who were somehow in fifth just based on the first week alone. So I'll leave it at that. But the player that probably impressed me the most was Memphis Depay from Barcelona. So I'll try and be, like I said, as unbiased as possible. Um, with that though, Rian, just a quick roundup of other games throughout La Liga. Villarreal, unfortunately, drawing against Granada today. Nothing really special, but Foyt did get a red card. So I don't know where that leaves him mentally after the, the Super Cup, after just a wonderful performance, but a little all over the place for Villarreal. Valencia and Hatafe was really the game, like for me, the game of the weekend. I know we didn't talk about it, but this was, I think, the end result of bringing a manager like Bordelas to Bel- Valencia, <laughs> especially against his former club on the first game, of- very first sp- like La Liga game of the season, not just the first game for Valencia, yeah, it
1: feels a bit too much of a coincidence. But yeah, okay. of course <laughs> it was.
0: Of course it was. And let's let's be very clear that Valencia were extremely poor. Hetafe had seventy four percent possession. Valencia had two shots on goal. Hetafe had twenty two total shots. This was not a close game, but somehow, somehow Valencia came up on top, which just adds fuel to that fire. And I think a massive reason why you saw uh, that, I guess, a red card to Kabako in, I think it was a 76, six or 77th minute, just for uh, God knows what at this point. I mean, Valencia are very much that sort of team to really piss you off. So and 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 it'll only get better now that Border Loss is
1: in, of course. Oh, right? of course, of course. Like, I'm sure they'll calm it down. And they they won't almost get a red card in the first like three minutes of their first yeah. game of the season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I'm shitting on Kabaka, but like that is kind of, it was kind of a weak red card. Like the the tackle itself was not all that. It was probably just a yellow, but it was just the audacity to pull stuff like this off for me, but. I'll leave it at that. I think those were kind of the two other major results. We, we covered Sevilla, um, you know, beating Rio, Barcelona, of course, taking the win against Real Sociedad. Real Madrid against Alaves. Top four is basically as we expected. Big wins for all those top four teams and pretty much draws for everyone else. So with that, Rian, I think we've got everything done. And I'll leave our listeners with one parting thought about Spanish football. It will all be okay it will all be okay. So, on that note, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks guys.